Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Now, as you turn your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, we're going Old Testament. I'm going to go a little old school on you this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37, as you're turning there, we've been speaking on set it right. Everyone say set it right. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray out of the message version, he says, pray in this manner, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are and set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. So from that theme, we are talking about set it right. We're recognizing that Jesus, when he says this, is implying two things. He's implying that there's something wrong with the world. How many would agree that there's some things wrong with our world and our society today? Amen. But God's also implying this, that all is not lost. All all hope isn't gone. That we also have the ability through prayer to be able to set the world right. Say it again, Pastor Dan, that we have the ability to set the world right. That God has uniquely designed each and every one of us to set the world right. Yesterday, right where you're seating, or or sitting, uh, seating, right where you're sitting, yesterday afternoon, we had the the, uh, San Jose Mayor's Crime and Gang Prevention Task Force get together. This room was filled with people from the community that wanted to come together to figure out ways of helping our society and help divert crime and keep gang violence from growing in our city. Yet very few churches were represented yesterday. We're called to set the world right. We're called to set things in order. We have a lot of law enforcement here at this church, and I want, I want all our officers to hear. I appreciate your service. We thank you for what you're doing. You have a tough job, a difficult job in this society. But I want you to know that we appreciate in, in, this, in this season right now with all these things going on, I want you to know that you have a church that prays for you daily for your safety. That God would protect you as you go out and you bring order. I could sleep at night because of the job that you do. And we thank you for that. But I want you to understand something here. Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to start in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Stay with me this morning. I I won't be long, but I, I do have something I need to share with you. Something I believe that if you allow to ignite in your heart will set you and generations after you free. Somebody say amen. Amen. Verse 1 says, the hand of the Lord, someone say the hand. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out, out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. We're going to stop right there. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to introduce you this morning to a man by the name of Ezekiel. Everyone say Ezekiel. In fact, slap your neighbor and tell him Ezekiel. Slap the other neighbor and tell him Ezekiel. I want you to recognize what this name Ezekiel means. Ezekiel means God will strengthen. And Ezekiel is prophesying at a time where, where there are some major struggles where they need strength. 
You see, the na- this, this passage isn't written to a church. It's written to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is now in bondage. They've been sent into exile. And because of their disobedience, God has sent them into exile. And they find themselves over 2,200 miles away under captivity to another nation. And as they're there in this other land, in a land that is, they're, they're serving foreign gods, where things are taking place that are so different to what they're used to being raised in and, and being around, that they're sitting next to the river. And the Bible talks about this, this vision that comes to this man named Ezekiel. And I need you to understand that when things go bad in a nation, we need a prophetic voice to rise up. Say it again, Pastor. I said that in the midst of crisis in a land, there has to be a prophetic voice that rises up to get things back into order again, to declare the word of God to a nation that says that we're going in the wrong direction. Let's get things right once again. We need a prophetic voice. We need a prophetic sound in order to shift nations and to get them back. We still need a prophetic voice today. Now, I want you to notice that Ezekiel is that prophetic voice, and there is no other artist. If we were to take a look at artists, whether it be Michelangelo or Van Gogh or, or these different Renaissance artists, if we were to take a look at the, the paintings by which they painted, Ezekiel is an artist that paints with colors no other prophet painted with. He was so vivid in the imagery, in the pictures that he painted as he shares the word of God and the word that God gave to people. There was no other uh, prophet that had such radical things that God asked them to do. And I want you to know that if you're living in a radical time, you need a radical man of God to stand up in order to transform the radicalism that's going on. And we live in an age today that we need some radical men and women to rise up and be the voice piece of God. Lord, I shift this atmosphere right now. It's, it feels like there's a, there's a battle going on for some of you just to grab a hold of what's going on right now. Of really beginning, you think you just walked into a regular Sunday morning service not realizing that you walked into a meeting ordained by God to shift not just you but the generations that are going to come after you. Verse 1 says, And the hand of the Lord came upon me. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, number one, the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. That in the midst of all these things that were going on, there are some of you that have gone through divorce. You've gone through death. You've gone through disconnect. You've gone through some struggles. You've gone through being bankrupt. You've gone through relationships breaking apart. You've gone through loved ones getting sick. You've gone through people leaving you. And you feel abandoned. You feel like you've been been taken captive and you feel like you are been exiled to a place where all your loved ones have walked away from you and there you are all by yourself but I'm here to tell you that the hand of the Lord is still upon you that God hasn't left you yet that God is still God and he's still with you he says you were he says from there that that the spirit of God brought him out in the spirit of the Lord. I want you to know that where you're at right now is not by accident. God has brought you to where you're at right now. And God, why am I in this neighborhood? God brought you there. Why do I got this job? God brought you there. Why am I still married to this woman? God brought you there. Come on somebody. Why do I have these kids? God gave them to you. 
because he knew that you had the DNA and the design to be able to raise them up and bring out the perfect purposes of God in their lives. I need you to understand something this morning. You were led here by the Spirit. You walked in this morning. You're not here at CWC by accident. You thought, no, someone invited me and they, they made me come because they promised they were taking me to Famous Dave's after church. I'm only here because of lunch afterwards. That's what you think. But God has ordained this time for you. Whether you believe it or not, God believes in you. Next thing I want you to notice is this. He says, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. Uh, God placed you in the valley you're in right now. You hear me? What, why am I in the Silicon Valley? It's so much cheaper in the San Joaquin Valley. God placed you here. You're not here by accident. God placed you in the very atmosphere that you're in right now. But I want you to notice something about this valley. It's not just any valley that God placed Ezekiel in. Look at verse 2. It says, Then he caused me to pass by them and all around, and behold, there was very many. How many? Many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. I want you to recognize the condition of what he sees. It's like God takes him over in a flyover over the valley. Before God places him in the valley, he takes him over the valley to see the condition of the whole valley. I want you to know that what God wants to do in your family is not just to affect your family. It's going to affect the whole valley. So God wants you to see how important it is that you get things straight. Because the key to the valley is you. You're the key. That if your family would shift, it'll set the neighborhood free. And if your neighborhood's set free, it'll set the district free. And if the district's set free, it'll set the city free. And if the city's set free, it can affect the state. Come on, somebody. You know how that goes. All it takes is one. And so the condition, he was set in a low place. And I know there's some of y'all this morning that feel like you're in a low place. You know, uh, we're coming to tax time. Some of you already got your taxes in. And you are blessed. You know, you're living like kings on Monday and living like a pauper by Friday. You get blessed when that income tax check comes in and you're, you're buying everyone dinner. You're living large. You're tipping the valet guy. You never parked valet before. You're tipping him 10, 20 bucks. Now by, by the weekend, you're asking for, you can't even supersize at McDonald's. You got to learn how to manage our money. Amen. We got to learn how to manage. He was placed in a low place and he was surrounded by many bones. Some of you are surrounded by families that all you have left are scattered pieces of what used to be a strong family unit. All we have is remnants. And all the family talks about is what they used to have, what they used to do, what we used to accomplish. But all we have now are just remnants of what used to be. And all those things are dry. They're dried out. And you, you know what I found out? One of the things I found out when I was, when my daughter contracted uh, leukemia. I found out that leukemia is when, when cancer cells in the bone marrow are immature cells that leave into the bloodstream before they're mature enough to fight disease. What cancer literally is are just immature cells that leave too early. 
And before you know it, the body is filled with all these immature cells that can't fight sickness when it comes. And so the body is overcome. And these, these, these cells that think they're mature aren't mature enough to handle it. And so what they do is they do a bone marrow transplant where they take marrow from a good, strong person and they inject it into the bone, the inner part of the bone. And the bone marrow, when, it, when new bone marrow goes in there, it's like rebooting a computer. It gives the bone the ability to reproduce strong cells and the ability for it to continue to reproduce. So the body is now able to fill itself with strong cells again. The church is filled with so many, listen carefully, so many immature cells that we are not healthy enough to fight out disease when it comes. Because we have people that think that they're mature spiritually, but all it takes is one financial crisis to defeat them. All it takes is one marital struggle to defeat them. Because we don't know, we don't have the strength to fight. And before you know it, a church is filled with a bunch of individuals that are too immature. Well, they didn't shake my hand today. Someone sat in my seat. The music was too loud. Music was too low. They didn't sing the song I liked today. They sang that song again, again and again and again. They keep singing it. And they're wondering, what, when are they going to change it? When are we going to get a new set list, Troy? And so we go through all these, th these things over and over and over again. And we end up leaving churches. And you keep on going. And you go from church to church to church, ministry to ministry to ministry. And you continue to have issue after issue after issue maybe the issue isn't the church maybe it's you it's weak up in this place we got to speak to this atmosphere right now <laughs> I want you to notice something the bones were very dry they weren't just dry they were very dry that means they'd been there for a long time. If CSI were to come in there, they would sit there and they would start looking at those bones. They would start be able to tell how long those things had been dry, what took place. There, there was evidence that there used to be an army there, but all that's left is remnants here. That This artist paints a total picture of total death, devastation, and defeat. We see this valley, you would look at it and just think, man, what, whatever happened here was devastating. Hopeless. Have you ever felt hopeless? Some of you sit in your parking in, in your driveway before you go in the house for about 20 minutes before you enter the house because your marriage is so hopeless. The environment in your home is so toxic that you drive up and you start feeling knots in your stomach as you drive up to your house and you just sit in the, in, in the parking stall just waiting building up the courage to go inside. Some of you get to work and the environment at work is so dry that you're, you, you sit up there and you're, you're, you're trying to encourage, you're giving yourself a pep talk. Come on, you can do this, you can do this. You're laying in bed at, in the morning and you're like, oh, come on, you can do this, get out of bed, you, you can do this. And you, you just lost all effort, you lost all drive, all focus where you used to jump up in the morning, you used to say, I can't wait to start this day, can't wait. You had visions, you had dreams, but all of a sudden you've gone through some battles that have affected you and now you're just dry. Hopeless. I love what happens in verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. I love Ezekiel's reply. O oh Lord God, you know. Listen, folks, listen very carefully. When God asks you a question, it doesn't mean that he doesn't know the answer. 
Say it again, Pastor. When God asks you a question, it doesn't mean that God doesn't know what the answer is. When God asks a question to you, it's because God wants to include you in the answer. Let me try this side because I don't think y'all got it over there, okay? When God asks you a question, it's because God wants to include you in the answer. I was right. See? I was right. I want you to grab a hold of this. When God ever asks a question, it's not that God doesn't know the answer. He's not going over to Ezekiel and saying, man, this is, this is tough, man. Uh, what do you think, Ezekiel? Do you think these things can live? What God was asking was a yes or no question. And whenever God asks, and if you take a look at your marriage, take a look at your finances, take a look at your, your depression, take a look at your emotion, take a look at your, at your family, take a look at your children, take a look at your job, take a look at your career, take a look at your education, take a look at your city. When God asks, can they live, many times we give a critique. When all God has asked is can they live. God didn't ask for Ezekiel's critique or commentary. Sean Smith said last week, which is very powerful in situations like that, people don't need an explanation, they need a revelation. And in this moment, God wasn't looking for, uh, let, let me get a little personal, God's not even looking for your opinion. You know, it blows me away how many times a Christian will go to another Christian and ask them for advice regarding their marriage, and the advice is non-biblical advice. Pastor, please say that again. We got so many people giving their advice. When it's not the, your advice that people need to hear, they need to hear the word of God. The word of God is our standard. The word of God is our foundation. It's the word of God that brings life. It's the word of God that brings correction. It's the word of God that gets things back in order again. It's the word of God that is the foundation. It's the formation. It's the encouragement. It's the strength. It's the thing that brings healing. It's the word. And the moment we re remove the word of God from school, the moment we remove the word of God from our homes and we replaced it with the television, we lost our ability to get society right. Because we spend more time in front of the square tube than we do into the word of God. There's nothing wrong with it. I love sports. I love watching a good movie. I love working out, but the first thing I do every morning is make sure that this is getting into here because I can't afford to think on my own. I need the word of God's opinion. I need the word of God's opinion from my wife. I need the word of God's opinion to look at my children. I need the word of God to, to, to also look at you. And to speak those things over your life. God's not looking for your opinion or your critique. He's looking for you to set it right. Somebody say amen. amen. I, I got to close. Let's take a look at this. Verse 5. And again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, 
Hear the word of the Lord. Anyone see any, anything wrong with this scripture? Ears and what? How many bones have you seen have ears? Now, if I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have had some issue with God. You want me to speak to something that can't hear? You want me to speak over these bones and tell these bones to hear when they don't even have the ears to hear? How many parents have, have we, don't raise your hand please, but how many parents have gotten to the point where you stop declaring the word of the Lord over your kids because they don't listen no more? You stop praying over your marriage because your husband or spouse don't listen anymore. You stop praying or believing for that boss at work because he's so ungodly, you don't think that God would hear you anymore. And we've gotten to the point that we've given up and we've given our critique, our opinion, instead of declaring the word of God over the dry bones of our city. As your pastor, as the man of God of this house, I will continue to prophesy over you, your family, your children, and the generations to come because I still believe that even if you don't have ears, that your family will hear someday. We have to speak sometimes over things that have no ability to listen. You know, and this is the problem. I want, I want you to understand something. God tells him to prophesy. Everyone say prophesy. prophesy. We get all tripped out. Well, I can't prophesy. It's only for certain people. Everyone can prophesy. And the, the, the Greek word for prophesy in the Hebrew word just means to speak out. Just means to speak out. And when I speak the word of God, when I read the word of God, I'm prophesying. You could declare the word of God over your children. I remember when things were going bad when I was growing up, my mom would take my, her Bible and she would put it under my pillow. Now, I don't know what she thought it was going to do, like somehow laid up, and I was going to kind of, you know, get, get changed because of it. Would, then from there, she moved it from there to in, in between my uh, mattresses because I kept getting rid of it under my pillow. I can't sleep with the Bible under my pillow. But the things that we did just to try to bring about a transformation. Listen, prophesy just means to speak, to declare over the disconnected, dry, and distressed bones. Now, your bones are your framework. If you've ever seen anyone breaking a bone, if you break an ankle bone, you're going to see the foot going in a direction it's not supposed to. Because your bones are your framework. It's the thing that gives your muscle the ability to stand. Without bones, we have no foundation. And we have no ability to live. And I want you to, it's from the bones that comes life. Now, take a look at this. Let's go back to verse 5. I'm going to close right now. But notice this. Prophesy what? Prophesy what? Not two. Prophesy not two, but. Prophesy not two, but. This is a key. Because this is the key that will transform your marriage, your children, your family, your community. It will change your church. It will change your workplace. It will change your educational system. Based on prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. 
He says, prophesy over them. See, many of us are yelling at our husband. We're yelling at our kids. We're yelling at our students. We're yelling at the system when we should be declaring over the atmosphere. That was good, Pastor. That was deep. I mean, man. I can't change my daughter. I can't change my wife. Because there's certain atmospheres, certain things don't grow. I shared before, you can't grow a palm tree in, palm tree in Alaska. It doesn't have the climate to sustain it. So in order to grow that pine tree and get that pineapple, I have to shift the climate, the atmosphere. I have to shift it. And so before the bones can live, God tells us, speak over. And we got to stop yelling at the person, at the condition, and start declaring to the atmosphere. It's time to start speaking over the atmosphere. You got to start declaring over the atmosphere. I speak love over this house. I speak understanding over this house. I speak forgiveness over this house. I declare breakthrough over this house. I release dreams over my children. I release breakthrough over my children. I speak that they are the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. Baby girl, you have no choice. You have no chance because I'm declaring to the atmosphere that you will be set free. Amen. Speak over. Someone say speak over. Speak Tell over. your neighbor, speak over. speak over. Stop speaking to and start speaking over. You know what? They can get mad all they want to. Don't get mad at me. I'm declaring over the atmosphere. I ain't even talking to you right now. Don't get mad at me. I'm speaking over the atmosphere right now. Get all upset that you want. Get all mad. But I ain't talking to you, Lord. Lord, I release right now. I release your glory. He's a man of God no matter how he acting right now. I declare right now, God, that she, she's, she's, my, she's my beauty queen, God, even though she's looking ugly right now. I declare that right now, God, that she is my princess, that you're declaring things right now. You're speaking to the atmosphere. Stop speaking to the problem and start prophesying to your atmosphere. I know we got teachers in this place, and I'm telling teachers, you walk into your classroom, start speaking to your atmosphere, even before your students get here. Back in the day, remember when we first started this church? Our whole prayer team, we would go through, and we prayed over every single chair. and every Lord, I pray right now, there's going to be a single lady that's going to sit here that is going through it. And Lord, when she sits here, God, you're going to bless her. You're going to set her free. You're going to bless her financially. Lord, right now, there's going to be a single father that's going to come into this place to stress. And I declare right now your glory over him. That when he sits here, that every chair that you would sit in had been prayed for. That there was someone that had prayed for the seat that you're sitting in right now. That every time you walked in, someone had touched the seat that you're sitting in. Saying, God, they're going to have an encounter with you before they walk in. They're going to walk in dry. They're going to walk in with dry bones. But I'm declaring right now that the atmosphere in this place is going to be so great that those bones, when they get here, there's going to be a shift that's going to take place, that there's going to be a breaking that's going to happen. I want you to notice in here, verse 5, thus saith the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath, someone say breath, 
to enter you that you may come to life and I will put sin you and make flesh grow back on you. You may have been decayed. Things may have decayed to the worst stages. But God's saying this, even when there's no flesh, I'll put flesh there. I'll put sin you. I'll bring things back together again. And he says, I will cover you with skin and put breath that you may know that you may come alive. Somebody say alive. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He never said, I came here to give you a pulse. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're saying, yeah, I'm married, but it's on life support. Got tubes coming out of your marriage and things pumping artificially, trying to keep things going. In public, you have a smile on your face, but privately, get the paddles ready clear and you need shocks every so often to keep this thing going when you were created to breathe to live and you will know why what's the purpose of this why is God doing this so they may know that he's Lord that when you rise up out of the dust and out of the ashes people how did you do that God how did you get out of debt God How did your marriage, I thought you guys were going to divorce God. I thought your kid was strung out on drugs, God. How did you you buy a house? You were homeless, God. How did you get a job? You had no job. You had no future, God. What, what, What happened? You guys had already separated. You hated each other, God. I'm talking about God here. So Ezekiel called God's shot. He declared what God intended to do. Are you still with me? I want you right now to speak over your valley. Stand to your feet. I want you to I want you to speak to your valley right now. I want you to speak to your valley. What dry bones are you facing? Is it a financial miracle you need? Is it relational? Is it educational? Maybe it's in regards to your job. Maybe it's in regards to your marriage. Maybe your children. Maybe it's your ministry. Some of you used to be so active in church, so active at the places that you came from, but now you're just, you're, you're just, you're stuck. You're dry. I want you to speak to your valley. Look at verse 7. You don't have to pick up your Bibles. It's on the screen for you. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Speak it. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Somebody say noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. How many know that's a miracle? He's standing there, and he looks over the valley, and he says, I prophesy over you. And all of a sudden, the bones begin to shake. And something like you would have seen out of The Walking Dead, all of a sudden, the bones shake and they start coming together. All of a sudden, the ankle bone to the, to the knee bone, the knee bone to the hip bone, the hip bone to whatever else bone. And all the bones start coming together. And you see, all of a sudden, what was scattered is now coming together. How many know that's a miracle? That when all of a sudden what was once disconnected, where we couldn't bring things together in the marriage, in the family, we couldn't communicate, now all of a sudden, now we have unity. Now we have connection. 
But the problem is this. Many of us stop at the noise. And we mistake the noise as the miracle. God didn't prophesy that the bones would come together. He said that the bones would live. And many of us are celebrating progress. We're celebrating progress. You know, all we used to do is argue. Now, we only argue after we make love. Then we make up. Then we argue again. Then we make up. Stop it, girl. And so we look at the progress. You know, we were living separate. Now we're living in the same house. But we still can't talk peaceably to one another. And we think that just because we came together that the miracle's been done. But that's not what God promised. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And many of us are giving up. Because after the bones came together, God put sinew. God put flesh. And after he put flesh, stay right there, girl. God put flesh. They laid there. Just a bunch of corpses. Are you hearing me? Now we had a valley of corpses with no breath. God didn't promise that you would come together. God promised that you would breathe. What's the breath? It's what he gave to Adam in the garden. It's what Jesus gave to Lazarus when he was dead. It's what Jesus gave to Jairus' daughter when he prophesied and told her to come back up. It's what Jesus did to the little boy of the widow and he gave him life again. It's the same thing that he did in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit of God breathed upon them and they began to speak in other tongues. Some of you have it. You don't even remember the last time the Holy Spirit visited you. God didn't just call us be put back together God called us to breathe you know what's great about breath is that if you have breath you have the ability to give breath to others many of you are seeing progress don't stop I'm I'm not downgrading progress progress is great But don't stop at the noise. Don't you stop until there's breath in them. The last part of verse 37, chapter 37 says this. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them and they came to life. Somebody say came to life. Stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. You know what I see here? I'm not speaking as a life coach. I'm speaking as a prophet over this house. I see an exceedingly great army. People that could rise up and take land back. Take generations back. Take promises back. Take blessing back. Take your marriage back. Reclaim your children. Reclaim the blessing that God called you to.
Now, you've gone through some struggles. You've got some scars. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We all have scars. You can't call yourself a warrior unless you've been in a couple scrapes. One thing I love about CWC, we got some warriors up in this house. Ain't no perfect folk in this place. We all got issues. We all have issues. No, I don't, Pastor Randy. There might be another church for you down the street. Because this house is filled with imperfect people. Serving a perfect God. But every one of us has scars because we come out of the battle. I want you right now just to lift your hands. I want God to breathe on you this morning. Some of you, it's been ages. And for you that don't know, you might not realize we are a church that believes in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of God. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed in the Old Testament, he can heal today. And I believe that same breath that he gave to those dry bones, he wants to give to some of you this morning. Some of you right now feel disconnected. You feel scattered. But I'm declaring right now, can your marriage live? No commentary, yes or no. Can your children live? Can your body live? Can your finances live? Can your dream live? I'm here to say that God is still giving breath to dead things and bringing things that are scattered back together again. All God's looking for is a man or a woman who has the audacity enough to declare to things that have no ears to live again. Come on, right now. Those of you that, that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just in your, I don't want, don't freak out the person next to you. I don't want you to start screaming and going crazy and, and falling in the, the, the aisle way and rolling down the aisles. All I want you to do is just begin to, just begin to just, just, just in your prayer language, just begin to take time. Now, there might be time for y'all to be jumping and shouting and all that. Now is not that time. Now, right now, we're just developing an atmosphere. So I want you, if you know that prayer language, just to begin to shift the atmosphere right now. Just begin to shift the atmosphere right now. Lord, we just bless your name right now. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We shift, Father God, to the ability to believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Right now, my God, right now, come on, just lift your hands and just speak. Just take time and develop an atmosphere. Oh, Lord God, these bones can live again. These bones will live again. We speak it now. We speak it now, my God. We speak it now. I just want to bless you.
I want you right now to prophesy over your valley. Whatever that valley is, whether it's a valley of your dry bones of your marriage, maybe a prodigal son or daughter, I want you to prophesy over that. Maybe it might be an addiction. I want you to prophesy over that. I want you to speak over the valley right now. Maybe financially you're struggling. Maybe educationally you're struggling. Maybe you're fighting uh, with the, uh, the environment at school or at your job, your employment. Maybe even the career choice. Maybe in the ministry that you once had, you got to begin to declare. I want you to decree. And as Troy sings the song again, as he begins to sing, I want you to begin to speak over your valley. I want you to decree over the dry bones, not to the person, but to the environment, to the atmosphere. Begin to decree to the environment and begin to speak the things you want to see. Declare it. Declare it. Don't ask God if you will, would you consider? No, decree it over it right now. Dry bones will live. I decree right now that these things shall live. Begin to create that atmosphere now. Begin it right now. Come on. Come on, Troy. that my marriage shall live again my ministry shall live again I decree it over my children they will live again I decree right now that God you will change atmospheres you will shift environments God I declare it now my God that these things will not just come together but they will live God they will live God they will live again in Jesus Live again, my vision will live 
again, God. I'm not done with my dream. I'm not done with my vision. I will own that home, God. I will start that business. God, I will start my education. I will get my master's. I will finish my PhD. God, I decree it right now, God. Lord, I will start that ministry. I will walk in that anointing, God. I will break this addiction. Lord God, I will be filled by God. No longer held by depression. We speak it now. These bones shall live, my God. We are free this morning. Speak over me. Speak over me. Yeah. Breathe on these rivals. Breathe over me, God. You're breath in the merit. Breathe in my merit. Breathe over families. Breathe over. Lift your hands all over this house right now. Come on, lift your hands and just let the breath of God breathe on you right now. Just feel the breath of God breathe on you right now. Breathe on us, God. Breathe. Let the breath of God breathe on us now, my God. Let the breath of God come and breathe on you now. Just breathe the breath of God in. Let the breath of God come in. You were created for his presence, to carry his presence. Just breathe in the presence right now, every one of you. This is an act of faith right here. This isn't something weird. We're just by faith, we're breathing in the presence of God. We're acknowledging that he's here. Would you just breathe it in right now? Lord, I just breathe in your presence. Fill me with your presence this morning. Not with anxiety. Not with fear. Not with depression. With every breath of God I take in, there's less room for doubt to dwell in me. your breath on this house right now. Release your breath over this atmosphere. 
even for those standing, my God, and wondering what in the heck are they doing. Let the breath of God come, my God, and let it flow over this place as it did in the upper room. Breathe over us, God. Breathe in us. Breathe through us. You are the environment, my God, which which I live. You are the breath I breathe. What water is to a fish, God, that is what your spirit is to me. You are the environment by which I operate and grow. I speak it over every person in this house right now. Let this be the week, my God, that they declare and shift atmospheres. When I walk into work tomorrow, I will shift the atmosphere. When I walk into my classroom, I will shift the atmosphere. When I get home for lunch this afternoon after church, I will shift the atmosphere. When me and my husband get into the car, I will shift the atmosphere. The moment we walk out into the east side San Jose, we will shift the atmosphere because I will not allow my eyes to determine what my heart believes. I will decree what you have determined, my God, and what you told me. That, Lord, that these bones shall live. I will not give a critique or an opinion. I will decree over the bones what God told me to prophesy. I will speak only what you told me to speak. And I will not give a commentary. Even though I might doubt it might never happen, I will still speak what you told me to speak. And I will declare it, my God, until not only do those bones come together but that those bones live. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.